Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, my name is Joe. I work for the Forestry Service in a small town located roughly about an hour away from both Reno and... Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. South Lake Tahoe. For the past few months, there have been reports of people seeing very large tracks around here. But up until recently, nobody thought much of it. We all assumed it to be bear tracks, since we do have a lot of black bears living around these parts. But lately, people are coming forward with stories about their own encounters with what might possibly seem to be a type of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or even Yowie-type creature. We suspect these beings have been roaming around here at night, scaring hikers out on the trails, growling and howling at them, waking people up in their tents, and just causing a ruckus. The first thing I thought when I heard these stories was that they were all total B.S., Maybe we just got a few drunk college kids and they were trespassing, trying to scare people away. But then I started asking around town, and there's a guy around here who's been doing this his whole life, and he works as a paramedic. He informed me about seeing something large sprinting along the forest at what he estimated to be near 80 miles an hour. Incredibly fast if you consider just how thick and how dense some of the timber is around here. His description of it looked similar to what these people are saying. 
and he seemed completely serious and not intending to prank or lie to anybody. He also said that it left a trail behind it, kind of like its eyes glowed so white that it left behind this light trail. We're talking about something almost otherworldly here. Hear this. This is one of the stories where you feel as if the person telling it thinks their audience is going to dismiss them as either a liar or insist they were either drunk, sleep, deprived, or high on something due to sleep deprivation, which makes me wonder why somebody would make such an outlandish story up, especially one like this where they're seeing something like this running through the forest. Maybe there are people out here who are really seeing something potentially dangerous. I don't know what to think of this point, so I'll leave it up to you guys to do all the research. Hopefully we can figure out what's going on here ASAP, because these accounts about encounters keep getting more and more frequent, and there seems to be no signs of stopping. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. I'm not sure if anybody else in my community has seen or heard anything like this before, but just in case, keep your eyes open. The night was thick with darkness and the misty tendrils of fog as my partner and I pulled up to the gates of Blackwood Mansion. Officer James Reynolds, that's me. Known for my cool-headed demeanor and rational mindset, I had always approached my work with a healthy dose of skepticism. But on this night, a creeping unease stirred within me like a whisper of uncertainty. The call had come in as a routine disturbance at the once opulent estate that now stood as a derelict relic of its former glory. A typical domestic dispute, I thought. Yet as we stepped out of the patrol car, an eerie silence enveloped us, settling over the mansion like a heavy shroud. The air itself seemed to hold its breath, crackling with an intangible tension. My partner and I exchanged glances our flashlights cutting through the darkness as we cautiously approached the entrance. The mansion's grandeur had faded, replaced by a decay and neglect. We entered, our footsteps echoing off the walls that had borne witness to years of secrets and stories. Inside, the only source of light was our flashlights casting long and wavering shadows that danced along the walls. The rooms were cavernous and empty, each step a reminder of the mansion's fading splendor. As we moved through the corridors, faint whispers seemed to caress our ears, carried by the wind that had found its way inside. The very walls seemed to hold the echoes of the mansion's past, a chorus of voices long gone. Our search led us to a room that seemed colder than the rest, a chill that seeped into my bones. I dismissed it as a trick of my imagination, until my eyes fell upon a trail of damp footprints leading to the window. It was as if someone had stepped inside from the rainy night, leaving their presence behind. My partner and I exchanged a look, our skepticism waning as the inexplicable grew more pronounced. As we continued our investigation, we discovered a collection of letters and journal entries scattered around the room. The writings painted a tragic love story, a romance torn asunder by societal expectations and hidden secrets. My heart ached as I read the words, feeling a connection to the emotions of those who had penned them. Yet there was something more, something I couldn't quite put my finger on. 
The mansion seemed to pulse with a hidden energy, as if the memories of those who had lived there still lingered, trapped within the walls. As the night wore on, my partner and I decided to wrap up our investigation. But just as we were about to leave, a soft, mournful melody echoed through the mansion's corridors. It was the haunting sound of a piano emanating from a distant room. Intrigued and unsettled, we followed the sound, our flashlights cutting through the darkness. The melody guided us to a room, and as we entered, the music abruptly ceased, leaving us in an eerie silence. It was then that I felt it. A presence awaited in the room with us. My heart raced as I turned toward a full-length mirror, and what I saw within its reflective surface froze my blood. There she stood, a woman in an old-fashioned gown, her face hidden in the shadows. Her eyes met mine in the mirror, and a chilling smile crept across her lips. My breath caught in my throat as I watched her, rooted to the spot as if in a trance. And then, in the blink of an eye, she vanished into thin air, leaving only the echo of her haunting presence behind. Stunned and disoriented, I stumbled back, struggling to process what I had just witnessed. My partner and I left the mansion, our skepticism shattered by the encounter that defied all explanation. Back at the precinct, we delved into the history of Blackwood Mansion, unearthing a tale of tragic love, betrayal, and a mysterious disappearance that had cast a shadow over the mansion for generations. As the pieces of the puzzle fell into place, I couldn't shake the feeling that the mansion itself had become a vessel for the memories of the past. My rational mind had been tested and found wanting in the face of the inexplicable. The encounter had shattered the boundaries of my skepticism, leaving me forever changed and haunted by the memory of the woman in the mirror. Hi, first a bit about me. I served in the Navy for 20 years as a military police officer. I am now retired after many years in the security industry. The following incident happened to me about five weeks ago while on holiday at my mom's farm, which is situated in southern Scotland. It was around 5 p.m. and the sun had just set. It was getting dark quite quickly. I was walking up to my vehicle parked at the side of her house where she lives with her partner when my attention was drawn towards one of my mom's fields by some odd-appearing lights which were kind of hovering above in the sky. These lights were glowing bright white, but they appeared to be descending slowly, almost as if they were dropping down into the field. As I got closer, the lights became apparent that there were actually now two white lights both of which were the same size, but now one was beginning to get larger than the other. I crept closer, getting about 50 yards within these lights, and the large white light began to move towards me at a slow pace, and then almost hovering above me before disappearing. It appeared to be at least as big as a house, maybe bigger if anything. There were no visible features on this object whatsoever, just two bright white lights which appeared to be projecting downwards. The smaller medium-sized light remained in the field below it for another few minutes until it too headed off in the distance, where I lost sight of it completely. The larger light then re-emerged before disappearing again back into thin air after leaving this tiny blur trace behind it. 
The only thing that's strange that I've dealt with while on Scottish soil, when I was younger I also dealt with something of a beast in the Scottish woods. The incident happened when I was out walking in the woods with my family. We were all enjoying our walk when it started to get dark, so we turned around and headed back towards home. It wasn't long before I noticed something following us, but at first I didn't think too much of it, being naive about such phenomena. But then this thing began to run through the trees, keeping pace beside me alongside my family. Knowing that something was wrong, I quickly shouted for everybody to run ahead while trying not to lose sight of them at the same time. The creature moved faster, though, despite its size, even faster than myself, which is surprising due to the amount of times I've served in combat zones abroad, where adrenaline can be flowing through your body constantly. No matter how fast I ran, I could never gain ground on it. And what's more is that the deeper we went into the woods, this thing just seemed to be getting bigger, too. When we reached a clearing, I quickly hid behind some shrubs, trying not to let this beast see me as my family escaped. It continued to grow in size until there was no mistaking its identity. It looked like a mutated bear carved out of stone, almost with large ears, which were almost elven in shape, and a much more elongated head. The two horns protruding from its forehead and nine eyes like some freakish arachnid, it was terrifying. I also spotted another smaller creature looking around as well. It wasn't as big, but it looked just as striking, not as sound. Either of these things made this was one of the most unnerving things of all. The creatures saw one another and headed off into the distance, I think still looking for me and the family, although I'm not too sure. To this day, I cannot explain what these things were only that they were definitely not from this world, far more terrifying than anything that I've ever seen while serving. I will say that if it wasn't for my training, I probably wouldn't be alive today. Although I am currently homeless, I am not without a job. I decided to leave the Army after three years of service due to pretty terrible pay and long uncompensated hours at work. After a few months of job searching, I was able to line a pretty great job as a fraud investigator in Kansas City. The pay was excellent, and the only thing that would keep anyone from accepting this job was a commute distance of a thousand miles from Fort Bragg, N.C., an additional obstacle would be that once I did get there, I wouldn't have the funds to rent an apartment. Essentially, I would be homeless for two weeks until I got my first paycheck. For many people, this would be a deal-breaker, and I can see why. But being in the Army for so long, I got used to eating shit sandwiches for breakfast and making almost any situation work for me. We used to go to the field for weeks at a time, and that would involve camping in the woods, and in most cases, not having showers until we left for home. Since this wasn't a new situation for me, I had accepted the job offer and made my way over to Kansas City as soon as I was released from my duties from the Army, ETS. I like to drive, so I was able to make that trip in just two days. Once I got to my new city, I got to searching for areas the locals or police wouldn't mind someone camping for an extended amount of time. By nightfall, I was able to find a natural area, a patch of gravel next to the road only a few feet from the woods. 
where camping up to two weeks was free, and no one would bother me until I had the funds to move in to my own apartment. I had brought some supplies in preparation for this. Extra clean clothes, canned food, sheets, and wet towels I could use to shower in the mornings. Since I didn't have a camping tent, I decided to convert the back of my car into a bed. After placing the back seats down, I actually had enough space to comfortably sleep in, so I placed some sheets down and decided to tie another sheet above me so no one could peek in through my windows and see me sleeping there. For a few days, this worked just fine. But as I was driving back to my campsite one night, I started to notice some weird things. When I was working on my bed setup, I noticed that the forest went dead quiet. Usually, crickets and other animal noises would rule the night air. But it was completely silent that night. The moment I noticed, I felt completely uneasy and felt like I was being watched. I hurried with what I was doing and jumped in my secure car. A couple of minutes passed until I was able to ignore the overwhelming feeling of dread and browse some YouTube videos. Eventually, I forgot about the situation and fell asleep. A couple of hours into the night, I got up, as I usually do, and noticed that the window closest to my face was foggy as someone had been breathing on the other side. I was disoriented and grabbed my phone to check what time it was. I paused for a moment. There was a sound coming from the other side of the makeshift bed, the other window that was covered by the sheet that was only a few inches above me. The sound was like gentle tapping on the glass. I doubt if I wasn't already awake, I would hurt it. The fear took a few moments to register, and it took me a few more moments to think through if I really wanted to investigate further. Eventually, my morbid curiosity won over, and I quietly and gently reached for the sheet, pulling it up ever so slightly. What I saw made me choke. On the other side of the window, there was some creature. Big, hairy, and crouching over to my window. Before you ask, no, it wasn't Bigfoot. It had hair on what I could see of its body, but it was thinning and patchy. It was big, but not muscle-bound. It was very skinny and had long claws on its bony hands. It was very skinny and had long claws on its bony hands. It was tapping on the window with them. The most grotesque of its features was that horrible smile. Its smile was ear to ear. I don't know if it was because it was enjoying this or if it saw me when I took a quick peek at it. I tried not react as if I tried to make it to my front seat to drive away. It could easily break through the window with those sharp claws and get to me. So for the next couple hours, I just laid in my makeshift bed praying that the thing outside my window didn't break in and kill me. Eventually, the tapping stopped and the sun came up. I got out of my car the next morning and investigated the area around my car. There were weird tracks all over my campsite that only confirmed I hadn't imagined the whole thing. And there really was something on the other side of my window. Why it didn't just break into my car and do whatever it wanted to do is only one of the questions nagging at me. The other would be how long had that thing actually been coming to my campsite at night, and had it been the first time it came so close to me, or had this just been the first time I had caught it? Either way, I found a new campsite tonight far away from where I had my encounter with that creature. I think I'll need to move again in the morning if I make it that long, because as I'm typing this, I can hear something tapping at my window.
My name is Rick, but you can call me Terrace. That was, after all, my nickname in Iraq. I had a few buddies who called me that. I guess it's like some kind of slang war as hell, but over there, they play by different set rules. Anyway, I was in the military for about eight years, and since then, I have worked as some kind of private contractor for the last five. I don't know if I should be telling you this story, but anyway, even if your website is anonymous, you never know how safe things are nowadays with all the cybercrime and cyberterrorism going on. It didn't take long after getting off duty to head out towards home, which is just outside of town near this farm that my parents used to own long before they passed. It's not much, just a little place where I store food now and keep my own personal things. But in a way, it is home to me. Feels good to get out of the country after being in that desert for so long. It was already dark when I got off the road about ten miles from home, maybe thanks to all those darn clouds blocking out any of that beautiful moonlight. So I figured with the darkness setting in very fast, no sense in wasting time. I got out my magnum flashlight and continued on foot across the bumpy gravel path towards the farm buildings ahead of me, which were now barely visible in this thick black darkness. I made my way past some trees and overgrown vegetation, lighting the road until I came upon an old pathway that leads to the backside of my parents' old farmhouse. Earlier in the day, I couldn't help but notice that this pathway looked like it had been trampled over by something large. So I decided to come out here and investigate what was going on. It didn't take long to see why these large tracks were being made across this part of the farmland. The grass was already flattened down by something very heavy walking back and forth through here multiple times. Just short of the summer season, it wasn't hard for me to figure out whatever caused these prints in the ground was probably pretty big. Easily nine or ten feet tall, if not more, given how wide apart each set of footprints were from each other. So I came upon a small clearing and stopped, shining my flashlight just ahead of me, and I heard an awful sound that still haunts me to this day. A blood-curdling howl, followed by a hissing, crackling, and rumbling. Immediately, the hairs on the back of my arm stood up in fear. I've done some bad things in Iraq, but nothing like what was going on right in front of me. At first sight, my flashlight beam only lit a part of it before its eyes. It was large and black, looking before standing fully upright. Its wide shoulders and massive chest were, from what I could tell, covered in a reddish brown fur. It was hunched over as it looked, the tall grass partially hiding it. At first I assumed maybe it was some kind of bear, but as my light hit its eyes, they glowed this bright orange amber. It was like two hot glowing coals bathed in crimson anger. Short for a Bigfoot, but no more than six feet tall, if I had to guess. All that muscle definition everywhere you looked on its body. What kind of species this thing belonged to eluded me other than knowing whatever it actually was. It wasn't human-friendly. I stood there frozen with tears, staring right back at this creature whose size alone would have easily outweighed me by over 100 pounds, if not more. The jaws on this thing were large and black, opening up so wide I could now see down its throat. 
as I let out this other unholy howl that made the ground shake underneath our feet. This must be what a deer feels like when looking into an approaching freight train that's about to run it over. The only thing we had between us was an open field and darkness surrounding us both during this tense moment of fear and trepidation. The creature wasn't moving towards me at first. For some reason, I knew that engaging with it would have resulted in a death sentence. So simply, I retracted after the initial shock wore off. I slowly backed away from this thing while keeping my light pointing right at it. It continued to stand there, seeming to be just as afraid of me as I was, or at least it acted that way. Why did it come into the clearing in the first place? We kind of just stood there having a face-off what felt like an eternity before I made a mistake that probably would have sealed my fate. In order to back away from this thing who did not advance towards me, but rather stayed where it was, I had no choice but to turn around and run back across the field. Now, I want to say this because it's important. Never, and I mean never, do you turn your back. Do you turn your back and run from a large predator, especially one like this that's unknown. You just don't do it. It entices them to chase you. That's exactly what happened. And I was not even armed when this happened either. I was about halfway across the clearing when I heard it coming after me before jumping down and disappearing into the brush, just mere feet away from me. I don't care if you don't believe. You don't have to. I'm telling you the terror of that night is real, and what I endured is real. I had more than enough time to take a good look at this creature, and I would most certainly remember what it looked like. I will never forget that face as long as I live, with those eyes staring into my very soul with pure hatred is forever embedded into my memory. I have no idea how fast this thing could have chased me down, but I know it would have made a meal out of me if given the chance. As soon as I cleared the trees and got back from around my house, I ran inside, locked every door and window before going up to my bedroom, which was on the second floor of the house, with a balcony outside facing where I had just come from. I didn't sleep the entire evening, but the following morning I actually insisted on staying at a hotel for the time being. Too many strange things were going on around the property, and I wasn't going to take any chances of being mauled to death by some monster. The next day, after what just happened, I finished paying up at the hotel, which had its own little restaurant connected to it, providing pretty good food. So, the front desk person wanted to talk to me about what happened last night. After I kind of gave him a little bit of info on me and what I went through, they told me something very interesting about my ordeal that made me feel more uneasy all over again. He said the hunters who use the fields behind the house and around have seen these large black dogs out there, the largest wolves they've ever seen before, but only during deer hunts, which is the only time of the year that deer are in the area. Can you believe that? I never knew there were wolves here. But the more I thought about it, the more sense it made. These are large, unknown canids, and I don't want anything to do with it. I will describe exactly what happened before, during, and after my involvement in the incident that transpired in January of 2018. 
It all started from my unit on January's overseas deployment three weeks earlier, and we're enjoying some much-deserved R&R. When the call came, we were to immediately regroup at our primary operations base for an emergency action. We all assumed some vital intel had come in concerning an HVT, high-value target, somewhere in a foreign theater. Looking back now, I, I wish that was the case. Unfortunately, it wasn't. We were given a brief summary of the situation, and we were told we would be given all the particulars once we reached our FOB, Forward Operating Base, which turned out to be the Sierra Nevada Mountains. We grabbed our gear, boarded a plane, and departed immediately. None of us knew exactly what kind of situation we were being dropped into, but it quickly became apparent when we reached the FOB that several units from various branches had been mobilized in short order. As we stood in the cluttered briefing room, none of us, neither my unit nor the others, was prepared for what we would hear. We were informed that three groups specializing in advanced mountain warfare had been running a training drill in the general vicinity when one of the teams radioed in that they could hear automatic weapons fire from one of the group's last known position. The helo was soon dispatched to see what was happening since they weren't cleared for any kind of expenditure of ammunition that the other group had reported. After an extensive air search, the helo failed to make contact with the group. It was decided that the second two groups would abandon their training mission and search for the missing group. An aerial search and rescue operation would commence immediately. The other two groups reported finding brass all over the group's base camp. Large amounts of blood and several bodies all corroborated by the search and rescue team sent to retrieve the remains. It was decided the other two teams would trek the remaining members of Group 1 that night. Both teams radioed in saying something was probing their lines and acting very aggressively. They made special mention in the transmission to say they didn't believe it to be of human origins. During the night, three more individuals went missing with no trace. It was decided to send helos up to pull them out. All thirty, eight remaining members of groups three and four, were in another room prepared to answer any questions we might have. We spoke with them at length, plotted out the first group's last known position, and planned our movements very carefully. The six units that had been brought in would be dropped at various places throughout the range. My unit would be dropped right at the group's. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Base camp and would track them with assistance from another unit. 
while two units would be job four in advance of our position, and work their way back to us. Two other teams would investigate possible secure positions the group could have made their way to. The minute we were on the ground, we all knew this was no longer a rescue, but a recovery mission, or so we thought. As we moved deeper into the Sierra Nevada mountain range, we lost all trace of the first group, just as the other two groups had. On our first night out there, we were met with the most god-awful noises, screams, and growls. To be exact, we had Blackhawks searching for the source of the sounds as we crept deeper and deeper into the mountains. The only words spoken were between the radio operators of the six teams and the command at the base of the mountain. For 48 hours, we searched for the lost group, never finding any trace of them. On the third night, the two teams were sent to investigate possible secure positions the group could have gone. We were given direct orders to find them, the missing group, and kill whatever it was that was taking us out. The two teams sent ahead of us were ordered to hunker down and wait for the rest of us to regroup with them. Before going to look for the missing men, nine hours later, all six teams made their way to the northwest, where it was believed the two men went missing. None of us knew exactly what we were facing. The entire range had an eerie quiet about it, both day and night. We all had the feeling we were being watched, yet we could find nothing when we went looking. We knew we weren't so much the hunter as the hunted. Whatever was out there with us knew the terrain. It toyed with us for several hours, going so far as to let loose this hideous laugh. We caught our first break. One of the other teams came across several shredded MRE packets that were torn to pieces and what we assumed were the remains of a human thigh. For some inexplicable reason, whatever this thing has left a trail leading to a small ravine. We knew it wanted us to follow it and knew it had eyes on us. We split up into four teams. Two of us would follow the bait, while the other two would attempt to outflank it. We reached the start of the ravine just after sunset and waited, not daring to walk blindly into this thing's ambush. As darkness claimed the entire range, the unit attached to my unit opened up on something creeping around our left flank. We quickly spread out and fired random single shots into the forest, pushing it right into our other units, waiting to catch this thing. In a classic pincer maneuver, with our kill box set, we moved in only to find ourselves face, to face with what I can only describe as the Sasquatch from hell. This thing stood almost 12 feet tall and as wide as an Abrams tank. Even with us going at it with everything we had, this thing fought back ferociously, killing an additional four men before finally going down. We didn't let up. We put our 203s to work launching enough HPs to melt the damn sun. Once we reported back, the thing was dead. Two Blackhawks, packed with guys in bio suits, showed up and took possession of what remains were left, and we were all picked up and flown back to the FOB. Once there, we were given specific orders to never discuss what happened and return to our individual commands. None of the guys in my unit has gotten much sleep since then. Truth be told, we take hunting terrorists over that thing any day of the week. During my 18-plus years military career, I've seen some strange occurrences, but this is by far the strangest.
As a city kid, I was lucky enough to have my parents relocate to northern Idaho when I was about 14. My parents separated shortly afterward. They didn't have anyone to teach me anything about the woods, but I fell in love with the mountains. I started to hunt when I was about 16. After I would go home after a 26-mile bus ride from school, I had about three and a half hours to hunt. I had a favorite spot along the lower North Fork River on the Tamarack Ridge. At that time, there were small farms here. One evening, while on one of my short hunts for white-tailed deer, I saw a group of three along a ridge. I could hear the deer moving through the brush ahead of me. I got down on my knees. They were ahead looking under the brush halfway up the ridge. Then I started feeling fear welling up in me. As I stood up and looked across the valley to the next ridge, about 150 yards away, I saw what looked like a large man carrying a whole deer up the ridge at a very quick pace. I was amazed at how thick the body, arms, and legs were. The Bigfoot covered the distance to the top in just a few minutes. As it crested the top, I then was very acutely aware of the fear that was in me. I had trouble controlling it. I checked my rifle to make sure it was loaded. I also carried a caliber 357 mag revolver with me. I checked to see if it was loaded. I was feeling very inadequate for the situation I was in. I was suddenly aware that it was almost dark, so I started moving in the direction of my pickup. I almost started to run, but when I would quicken my pace, the fear was almost uncontrollable. I felt like something was watching me, and I could swear I knew from what direction I could hear the brush crack around me, but I don't know if it was related. When I reached the pickup, I was afraid to put my gun down to unlock the truck. I thought if I could just get in the truck, I could settle down and get a hold of my emotions. I was sitting in the truck and still was not settling down. I got the truck started, and I pulled down on the old dirt road along the river. The tightness in my chest started to ease as I drove down the road. I passed the bottom of the ridge where I had the encounter. I stopped and looked up the little trail that led to the ridge trail. Immediately the tightness returned and I felt very vulnerable sitting in the pickup. So I took off faster than I should have been driving on the old road. When I got home, my mom asked what was wrong and I just let her think I was frustrated because I didn't get anything. I never told anyone about it until my sons were 14 and 16. The young one believed me and had a hard time hunting by himself. When he first started getting into the woods, the older son wasn't didn't say much about it. But the topic comes after every hunting season in camp. I've never felt fear like that in my life, whether staring down the barrel of a gun as a police officer or trekking in a cave and underground. Deep within the labyrinthine corridors of a government agency, I, Jordan Davies, a diligent data analyst with an insatiable curiosity, found myself embroiled in a conspiracy that would change my life forever. In a quiet corner of the agency's digital archives, I stumbled upon files marked with a level of classification that sent shivers down my spine. These documents contained irrefutable evidence that an army general had successfully captured a creature with extraordinary and inexplicable abilities. As I delved deeper into the files, my heart raced with a mix of excitement and trepidation. 
The creature known only as Subject Omega possessed powers that defied the laws of nature. It could manipulate matter, bend time, and even alter reality itself. The implications of such a discovery were staggering, and I knew that I had stumbled upon something that the world was not meant to know. My mind raced with questions. How had they captured such a being? What were they planning to do with it, and why was this information hidden from the public eye? My insatiable curiosity turned into a burning desire to uncover the truth and expose the secrets that were being kept in the shadows. As I delved deeper into the labyrinth of classified information, I attracted the attention of not only the government, but also a secretive CIA organization known as Echelon. Echelon's primary objective was to maintain control over information that could disrupt the delicate balance of power in the world. They viewed the revelation of Subject Omega's existence as a threat to that balance and were determined to ensure the secret remained buried. Realizing the danger I was in, I reached out to an old acquaintance, Amelia Morgan, a former intelligence officer who had become disillusioned with the very agencies she once served. Amelia was the only person I could trust. With her help, I navigated a treacherous landscape of deception, danger, and deadly pursuits. Together, we raced against time, piecing together clues and unearthing hidden truths about the creature's origins and purpose. Our journey took us to remote locations, hidden research facilities, and even into the crosshairs of government agents and echelon operatives. Along the way, we formed a bond forged by danger and an unyielding determination to expose the truth. As the pieces of the puzzle fell into place, Amelia and I discovered that Subject Omega was not just a scientific anomaly. It was a sentient being with a consciousness that extended beyond the physical realm. It held the power to reshape reality itself, a power that could either bring about enlightenment or unleash chaos. Our story built to a climactic confrontation as Amelia and I found ourselves cornered in a remote cabin deep within the wilderness. Echelon had finally caught up to us, and a team of highly trained operatives surrounded the cabin, ready to silence us once and for all. In a tense standoff, Echelon's leader entered the cabin, a cold smile playing on his lips. He revealed that their true objective was not just to cover up Subject Omega's existence, but to harness its power for their own purposes. They believed that by controlling the creature, they could reshape the world according to their vision of order. As the standoff escalated, it became clear that Amelia and I were outnumbered and outmatched. Our only chance was a daring escape. In a flurry of desperate action, we fought our way out of the cabin and into the surrounding woods. But it was too late. Echelon's operatives overwhelmed us, and in the chaos, I was subdued. Our story ended with a haunting sense of foreboding. As I was forcibly taken away by Echelon, I exchanged a last glance with Amelia. Our eyes conveyed a mixture of determination and resignation. We had fought to uncover the truth, but in the end, the forces of power and secrecy had prevailed. I was never seen again. The cabin stood empty, a silent testament to a battle fought and lost. 
The world remained oblivious to the existence of Subject Omega and the unfathomable power it possessed. And in the shadows, Echelon continued to manipulate information and shape the destiny of nations, securing their control over secrets that could reshape the world itself. When I was a kid, there was a creek in the woods near my grandparents' house that I would hike to and play in. One day I climbed the berm next to the creek and saw a woman with long black hair, wearing a white dress, just kneeling over the water and staring into it. I hid behind the berm and just watched for a minute. Right as I was about to turn around and leave, she suddenly stood up and screamed. Not a trying to scare this kid scream, but more like a, uh, oh, I'm currently being burned alive scream. In response, I promptly shit my pants and booked it back to my grandparents' house. According to people on Reddit, I saw La Llorona, a ghost of a woman who lost her kids to drowning or something. I think it's much more likely that it was a crackhead living in the middle of the woods somewhere. Those woods were notorious for being home to a few drug labs and popular body dumping sites. Paranormal or not, still scared the shit out of me and I never went to that creek alone again. I've had two experiences while solo camping on Crown Land here in Canada. The worst one happened around 2 a.m. I decided to call it early and just head back to the city as it had been too windy to have a good fire as my camp was, and my camp was in an open spot in a little valley with a creek, and I was tired anyways. I've walked the route a million times, and it only took about 30 minutes, so I was comfortable walking it in the dark. About halfway back, I'm just taking in the fresh air and listening to the trees creak in the breeze when I get this sudden sense of panic. I stop to look around and can't see anything, so I go to take my water bottle out of my bag, and while I'm bent over, the whole forest goes dead silent. The bugs stop. The bugs stopped everything. I noted the F out of there so hard I almost left my guitar on the side of the trail. Not my story, but my grandfather's actually who served during Vietnam. Now, he's never been one to really share his stories and things with anyone, but he will sometimes. He recently, just in the last couple of years, noticed that I took a liking to cryptozoology and things of that realm. After learning that it's even a thing, he began to tell me how during the Vietnam War, which again he served in, a part of the platoon he was in was attacked by these large, ten-foot-tall reptilian crocodilian creatures. They killed at least eight of his men. His story terrified me when he told me it, and so I'll share it with you. He said that his platoon had been on a long and grueling march to the jungle. They were really close to where they were going, but had one more obstacle to go through a river that would take at least half a day to cross with all their gear. They were already in the midst of a very thick part of the jungle, and with their current location it would be tougher, so they waited for nightfall before crossing. There were Viet Cong soldiers in the area, and they wanted to wait for them to pass, everybody except for the point man, who had gone ahead of the group to scout out the crossing. 
He said that after about an hour or so, he returned with wild, terrified eyes, asking if they could get across without making too much noise due to there being something large in the river. Well, my grandfather said they did their best, but it was still quite noisy when they got in the water. He heard this strange, almost trumpet-like noise he described in the distance, sounding like it was coming from the direction of the river. At first they thought it might be a kind of animal or something, but after a few seconds it became clear that there were too many weird things about these noises that did not pinpoint back to any animal. So they simply kept moving. By the time they got to about the halfway point, night had fallen, and because of this, my grandfather said he only saw one dark shape in the river as it made its way under them, disappearing after about a second or two. He said that besides that one moment, nothing too much seemed out of the ordinary besides the noises, but you could tell everybody was very uneasy. Once everybody got across the river and onto land again, his point man set up to keep watch for a few moments while everybody else tried to get a bit of sleep. He claims that five minutes into the guard shift, nothing seemed wrong at all, but then he saw two or three of these dark shapes in the water that began to ascend out of the water. Quick note. This section that they were in was a very thick part of the jungle. He told me even the captured Vietnamese refused to travel through here, and when questioned, they acted very scared. They knew. Anyway, he said that the first thing he did was wake everybody up, and for some reason his point man wouldn't respond. After a second of shock, he realized this as well as the fact that their point man was no longer on post, but had now been dragged into the water. My grandfather said that at this point everybody began to panic, some reaching for their guns, while others tried to get a better look at whatever was in the river. It wasn't long before they realized that this thing had killed off half their men, including their point man taken in their sleep. He said there were three or four of these creatures in the water, coming out and going back in. Everybody started shooting at them, but it didn't do much other than make things worse. At first they thought it was just because there were so many men shooting, and then he noticed that some of the bullets would go through one of these creatures, and after a second or two, another creature on the same side as the other one would rise up out of the water and eat what was left out of the water, and eat what was left of the comrade on shore. He said everybody tried to run away at this point, but some didn't make it back into the jungle in time before watching everything they had ever had become eaten by these things. They went into hiding for hours until dawn finally came around. Apparently during this time he wasn't sure if he was awake or dreaming, when more than once he heard screams sound off in the distance. He knew those were his teammates being eaten and torn alive. He told me that none of this seemed real if he closed his eyes, but in the daylight it was a different story. He told me that in a few short hours they finally heard a chopper in the distance and began to signal them with their gun mags. He said that when they got to where my grandfather and some of his friends were at, they were all that was left. There were just bones and bits of meat and flesh from these creatures. He told me he never returned to that part of the jungle again, and making the shortcut was a huge mistake. He told me this story about ten years ago. It still keeps me up at night sometimes, thinking about what happened.
This is the only time my grandfather would ever talk about running into large humanoid crocodilian creatures, and now these weren't just regular crocodiles. These were something out of a nightmare. They had a taste for human flesh. Approximately three times a month, with occasional fluctuations, I experience a pronounced energy presence in my room. This sensation often triggers my cat to vocalize and act as though it's observing an unseen entity, although this behavior typically subsides shortly afterward. These occurrences have repeated multiple times. Furthermore, during nighttime, I frequently encounter a peculiar sensation of a small hand touching my waist. I also perceive the feeling of someone walking on my bed, accompanied by a distinct sense of pressure on the mattress and a heightened energy ambience in the room. I'm left wondering about the nature of these experiences. Could they be indicative of a benevolent spirit, a malevolent entity, or even the possibility of extraterrestrial involvement? Basically, I'm doing what a normal person would do around this time. I'm asleep. And, well, suddenly I'm woken up by two loud knocks that sound human on my window. Please note that my window looks out onto an enclosed and locked and back patio. Therefore, nothing should be able to access it, but anyways, here I am. I'm startled as F and too freaked out to look eventually after about three minutes. I decide to go look as I need to plug back in my stuff as this was right after a thunderstorm. And well, when I look out, there's absolutely nothing there. No signs of anything at all. And well, in the morning, I went to the other side of my window to uh, find absolutely nothing. No back door unlocked. No signs of activity, absolutely nothing, and well, after this, I decided to pull out my phone and type this out in an attempt this out, in an attempt to debunk this. Probably sorry if this was confusing. About a year ago, my significant other and I decided to go camping, after she told me she'd never been before. Well, this former Boy Scout found a spot, packed his pack, and decided to give her the camping trip of a lifetime. We got to the site, left the envelope with cash for the overnight fee at the empty cabin, and drove into the woods. There were sites all along the paths, but some were taken. Seeing as she wanted to be as removed as possible, we decided to turn left and go up a steep incline to see if there were sites at the top. Well... What I saw will haunt me till the day I die. Not more than ten feet in front of the car, after I slam the brakes, is a giant black bear on its hind legs and looking straight at us. No one blinks. After a minute, he gets down in a huff, turns around, and scampers off. A few minutes after that, my significant other and I break out in screams of terror and floor. It back to the edge of the campsite. Fast forward to that night, we'd settled down a bit from our encounter and prepared to go to sleep. We'd chosen a site right next to a stream so as to have it lull us to sleep. Big mistake. We're both cuddling and falling asleep when suddenly we hear a splash in the stream. 
We both bolt upright, both thinking of the same animal that we are now realizing might be thirsty and nearby. Our car is parked just 20 feet from the tent, and we consider making a sprint for it before hear another few splashes in the water, followed by a grunt. Well, if the splashing didn't do it, the noise did. Eager to make a ruckus, I sound the alarms on my car and scream for you as loud as I can. We then nope the F out of the tent, dive into the car, and drive into the car and drive off, leaving everything behind. We drove around for about ten minutes of terror after that, plotting next moves and discussing our certainty of having just avoided death. Eventually, we decided to return to the campsite throw everything into the trunk as fast as humanly as possible, and yet it to the open road. We then went back to my house, reset up the tent and our fenced in backyard right behind the porch, and went to sleep. Late to the party, so this will probably get buried, but Many years ago, a friend stopped by from out of town and brought a hefty dose of LSD with them. Beautiful summer night, so we drop a few tabs and decide to go for a hike. A half mile from my house is a river with a trail leading through the woods to a cemetery. In high school, there were always stories of Satan worshippers using this cemetery and tales of a witch's grave. There are also creepy-ass kinds on spaced out in the woods behind the cemetery. I've walked through the place many times and never seen anything suspicious, just a peaceful place to spend some time. I found the supposed witch's grave, though, just another grave to me. Anyway, heads full of acid, we're heading up the narrow path leading to the cemetery in the dark, when out of nowhere like eight hooded figures walk past us, in the opposite direction. We never heard them coming. One second they're there, the next they're gone. They don't look at us or say anything. Just walk past with their heads down. My buddy and I give each other the old, what the fip? Look, shrug, and continue on. We make our way through the woods into the cemetery. Start to peek. It's fully dark now, and we're walking down one of the side paths trying to find the witch's grave, which is proving difficult considering the trip and the darkness. Suddenly, a hundred feet or so ahead of us, multiple lights spring into being, maybe a dozen of them, and just hover. We stop immediately and look at each other, confirm that we're both seeing this, and it's not just a hallucination. And then, as we're watching Freak the F out, they very abruptly scatter in all directions, disappearing into the cemetery. Time to go. We do an about-face and start double-timing it toward my place, keeping our heads on a swivel. For the first couple minutes, there's nothing. Then, randomly off in the woods, we'd see a single light flash on, only to disappear seconds later. Then a few more. Sounds of running and heavy breathing are coming from the woods. They're all around us. We're walking faster and faster, no longer giving a of about what's happening, just wanting to get away. I'm trying to think through the acid, but all I can come up with is that the Satan worshippers have summoned the alien overlords, and I'm pretty sure we're going to be sacrificed to them at any moment. We turn down the final path out of the cemetery. I can see the gates and the street beyond, and I start thinking we might actually make it out. Then a dark-hooded figure steps out from behind a mausoleum to our left, and a brilliant light blinds us. It's a man. 
Then a solemn, deadly, calm voice, he says, You're it. We're frozen. No idea how to proceed. Finally, my buddy stutters. What? You're not with us, are you? The man replies, are you? The man replies, Oh, no man. We're not with you. He lowers his hood. It's a kid. Like a teenager, but still just a kid. Turns out he's playing flashlight tag with his buddies. He apologizes in his manly voice for bothering us, turns off his light and runs back into the cemetery to rejoin his friends. So yeah, that was a fun night.